this is the Captivated Podcast. This is episode one, and I will be talking to you today a little bit about who I am um, and where I've come from. So thanks for listening, and really excited that you're here. So today, I just want to sit down and connect with you. I want to just give you kind of a background of who I am and where I've come from. And and some of you may know um, this part of my story, and and probably a lot of you really don't. And I've told it several times before, especially to small groups of women or, I don't know, just, just in different settings, but I've never really told it on such a large platform as this. And in such a a deep and personal, really raw way. And it's not that I have some crazy testimony like some people do, but um, I don't know. I just really felt led to share this part of it. So if you're out there and this is something that, you know, you've been through, I would, you know, I, I really hope that it would just resonate within your heart and that you really want to maybe reach out or connect or, you know, I'm always on my socials. You can send me um, emails or any direct messages or comments and, and we just love to hear from you guys and connect with you. So really, I just want to kind of give you of how I became a wife, a mom, and how I really began my walk with, with Jesus. And I was born in Boise, Idaho. So for those of you who don't know where that is, that is just in between Washington and Oregon and Montana. And it's up in the northwest corner of the United States. And Boise is kind of the central area in southern Idaho. And that's also the capital. So it's the larger populated area of Idaho. And I grew up there in uh, a Christian home with my parents who are still married to this day. They've been married for over 30 years and have just really been a huge blessing in my life and um, just really a great reflection of who Jesus is. And I met my husband while I was attending college, which was about two hours away from my hometown in Boise. So it was still in Idaho. And we met and actually were married a year later than that. And then I think about four years later, we had our first daughter, Naraya, who is three. And then later on, we had our son, Ethan, who is two now. And my husband's currently in the Navy. We live in San Diego, California. So we, we, we've been actually kind of all around the U.S., I feel like. We've been to Chicago, which is on one in the country, and, and Hawaii, and now we're here in San Diego, and we just love being here in San Diego. We have an amazing, amazing church family and just really great friends that we are just so happy to have. So really when I was about oh three years old, my mom said that I prayed that salvation prayer, and I didn't remember doing that, so I did it again. When I was seven, I remember exactly where I was sitting at the kitchen table, and I just was just so committed. I wanted to do this. And that's really how my childhood was. It was just so full of, of expectancy of, of hope and, and life. And I just really resonated in in myself of just who God was and just this excitement of the promises that he has for our lives. And as I got older, I remember we had, um, some, we went to Awanas. So I don't know if any of you know what that is. Awanas is a really great program for kids and it teaches them Bible verses. They get to play games and they usually at the end of every night, they hear a message. And on this particular night, they have a lot of us getting up to give our testimonies so that we could complete our workbooks. And I remember standing up there and listening to a lot of the kids talk. And even at such a young age, a lot of the kids had already gone through such 
trials and tribulations. And for myself, I was just standing there saying, you know, I've, I've not really been through anything. And I started to just really believe that lie of feeling really insignificant in that moment. And I just was, you know, I grew up in church. My parents are still together. I have two great younger brothers and I just love Jesus. And that was it. That was my testimony. And I just, I felt so insignificant that I didn't have something powerful to say that I had overcome through God's grace. So as the years went on, I had several outside relationships with different family members and friends through different circumstances who would kind of chip away at that insignificance idea in my mind. And they would say, we just wait till you know this, or just wait, just wait, oh, you're so naive, isn't that just sweet, or isn't this that? And I sort of, when I was 13 years old, made this pact with myself saying, you know what, I I am going to be as wild and carefree and do all of these things when I become an adult. I, I didn't want to dishonor my parents in that time, so I just told myself when I was older, but but you see, what I was doing was I was making a pact without God and it, without without His will and His blessing and His promise. I was actually making a pact with the enemy. So this rebellion that I was sort of hoping for, planning on when I got older, wasn't exactly going to come. And later in life, it was actually coming within my heart right then, right in that moment. And so, for me. I just began to slowly seep into this rebellious mindset and attitude. I was drawn towards certain people and I was drawn towards certain things. And all of a sudden my parents' validation in my life was was no was meaningless and I felt I could no longer listen to them as I was listening to these other ideals in my mind of of searching for significance in my life and I had shut myself off from who God said I was and said God I don't really need you right now but maybe I'll need you later so maybe I'll think about it later on in life and I started to be drawn towards things like books and movies that were very romantic and very sensual and I was looking for an emotional experience because I wasn't finding that in God and I wasn't finding that in the satisfaction of my parents telling me how much I was loved or who I really was even though I was growing up in a great home and so I I really started to seep into this and before I knew it, I was being drawn more and more and more into sensual books and movies. And through curiosity of one thing leading to another, I found myself watching things I shouldn't be seeing and things I couldn't unsee and things that I wanted to see again. And finally, I, as a girl, had this full-on porn addiction at maybe the age of 14. And I was... I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe myself that I was struggling with this and I felt I couldn't tell anyone because I was, I'm a girl. I'm not supposed to have this sort of sexual desire that I, I, or at least I wasn't told that I was supposed to and I just didn't know what to do with it. And I just began to live in shame and have this shame overtake me and I just didn't know what to do. And I still had just been really shutting myself off from God, even though I knew his truths and I had been shutting myself off from my family. And I looked completely normal on the outside and did all the youth group activities at church and went to all the right things and had, you know, met all the right people. But inside and who I was in my home life, I, I was just so shut off and I would, 
I would, I would, my communication with my parents was beginning to be horrible and I would give in to my temper so often that my mom would go and run off crying and I would just send my dad yelling at me and we just would, were constantly fighting, which finally led my parents to, we can't have you at home anymore. Your communication with us is so awful. We just can't get you to see and, and, and they would pray for me and they would do these things for me. But I just, I was giving in so much to the shame of shutting them off and not wanting them to be around that they were just forced in a sense to send me to school instead of homeschooling me. And so I went my junior year of high school to a private Christian school. And actually, my brothers came along with me to the same private Christian school because in some ways, my rebellion had rubbed off so much. Well, if she's doing it, why can't we do it? And that's kind of how, you know, it goes when you're the oldest sibling. It's just, well, she's doing it. Why can't we do it? And so I was actually trickling down to them and this rebellion and this attitude that I had. And I just remember it just being so depressing because I'm naturally gravitated to being more of an outgoing person and more of someone who really likes to be extroverted and, and loves to have friends around all the time and likes to do fun things all the time. But I just was just living in this shame and this constant state of, of friction and turmoil of knowing the truth, hearing God's truth, p- trying to pull me back and into this reality of of saying, you don't need to act like this. You don't need to feel this way. This isn't who you are, but I could not get rid of it. And so through my shame, I just started to envelop depression and start to emotionally eat. And that year of, of being a junior in high school, I actually gained 50 pounds. And my parents were just still at a loss of, I remember them reading parenting books and asking other friends who had kids that were older of, we don't know what to do with her. She's not exhibiting these signs on the outside. I hadn't dated anybody. I just hadn't done these, but I just had this spirit of rebellion over my life. And we, I had horses mostly growing up. And I remember one specific day that I was up at our barn and I was just hugging my horse's neck and just crying and crying and just not knowing what to do and I think my dad he had made his way up there and and he heard me and he was he took compassion on me and he said you know what if it would bless you we would like to have you home for your last year of school if we can make this work together and it definitely had its ups and downs I was grateful but at the same time I, I still was struggling this rebellious attitude and having these other friends that I had been drawn to that were in their own rebellion encouraging mine I just want to pause for a second and I just want to encourage you, if you're a parent of a young adolescent or a youth leader, and you're really going through just, maybe you're teaching them these truths, and you're going through this time of where it's just not resonating within them, or they're just not believing it, no matter how hard you're praying, no matter how hard you're trying, all these classes or parenting things you might be going to, I just want to encourage you that the Bible says to not grow weary of doing good, for in due time you will reap a harvest. And it also says, God, the God, the word of God I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And really for me personally, those things were so true. My parents did not give up. A lot of other people were praying for me and, and just really interceding during this time for me and encouraging me and speaking life over me. And those things were, were true um, later on for me when, when in my heart when I was trying to go on these I guess, quests of rebellion. And the Lord really was just speaking these truths to my heart of, of you know who I am. You, you know who I say you are. And I, I really went into my first year of college. And then my second year of college, I started at a school that was about two hours away from my hometown. And I really just felt 
like I finally had a, had this freedom where I no longer had youth leaders. I no longer had my parents. I no longer had the eyes of those in the church watching me or, or relatives or anybody. And I could just be whoever I wanted to be. And I could just be wild or do whatever I wanted. And in some ways that that's good for someone that's young to really just experience things. And then other ways I was just searching for again, that emotional security, that emotional experience. And I thought maybe I could find it through parties or maybe I could find it through relationships with guys. And I wasn't finding that. And I, and, and I, every time I would try to do something, I would always feel that tugging of the Holy Spirit of just, this isn't what I have for you. This isn't who you are. And I could never really fully commit myself or really enjoy myself in these moments. And I remember one night of really the first time of being that intoxicated that um, I just really was incoherent. And the only thing that I do remember is this particular guy that I had been seeing. I was ready to just sleep with him. And that was the first time I had really ever been with anyone. And he found out that I was a virgin and just said, I can't take that from you. I mean, really, what what guy do you know in this day and age in that type of situation that would say that to someone? And there was instances a few days even after that that I felt that same way of just some, just being so protected by the Lord. Of, I can't take that from him. Someone would say, I can't take that from you. And just being really just essentially protected by the Lord. And just this, this thing that I promised I had made to the Lord, it was being... Um, I don't know, protected. And I know I had a lot of people praying for me in that time. My parents were praying for me. And and so really, if you going back to what I said before of you being a youth leader or a parent going through this, your prayers matter. These things matter. And the, the spiritual realm is real. And by interceding for these kids, you're really doing them such a huge service, even though you feel that maybe they're not listening to you. And during that time, I just, I actually had a dream one night when I was at that particular guy's house, and I just felt like there just a lot of things happened, but God just basically just speaking my heart, just saying, what are you doing right now? And I remember waking up from this dream and just crying and leaving that house, never coming back and just driving in my truck, just aimlessly down the street. And just being like, God, what am I doing? Why have I done these things to you? And why why do I keep going back to these things that I know are wrong? And I don't know what how to stop. I don't know how to be free of these things. And I end up pulling over on the side of the road and just really just committing myself to the Lord and saying, God, I I surrendered to you. I am ready to stop doing these things. I am ready to fully commit myself to you. And I really think when I tell a lot of people this story, it wasn't that I wasn't saved before. It wasn't that, you know, any of these things, but a lot of times kids, when they're so young, like my daughter, who's three, I tell her Jesus loves her and she just believes that it's a fact in her life. But I really feel like for kids that are growing up in Christian homes like this, it's their fact has to become their faith. And in that moment, my faith became real of who I was. And in that moment, I was, I was totally and completely freed from my shame. I have not ever struggled with that kind of shame again. I've never struggled again with that type of emotional eating. I've never struggled again with that kind of porn addiction or that self negative self-image or that longing for that emotional experience in an unhealthy way. It was in that moment that I was healed because the Holy Spirit is that powerful. He can heal in one moment. And
then for me, I actually, where I had pulled over, I was just crying so much. It was just one of those ugly crying where you can't see where you are. And I just had stopped. I cleaned off my face and I looked up and I was sitting in a church parking lot and not just any church parking lot. I had grown up in a Calvary chapel and this particular church had been the only affiliated Calvary chapel in the town that I was in. And I just thought, what are the odds of this? I don't even know this town and here I am. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to walk inside. So I tried to clean myself up as best as I could. And I walked in, the receptionist was, are you okay, honey? And I was like, yes, I just need some friends. I just need a college group. When does it start? And on that particular day, it was a Monday. And she said, the next college group service we have is on Sunday night. Oh my goodness, that was a long week for sure. But I made it. And that next Sunday night, I was there at that college group service. And this guy was speaking and giving um I think the announcements or something and that guy actually ended up being my future husband (laughs) so it just God is just so good in all of those ways not that that happens for everyone but that's how it happened for me and him and I went through a period of dating and we got married a year later and our first year of marriage actually was pretty rocky not by anything that was going on between us but just our outside circumstances of things that were just totally against us and um, both of us had really strongly felt called to ministry and to pastoring and just developing churches and maybe planting churches and it just was really difficult because I think a lot of people's vision for our lives hadn't really come into fruition and now we're going on this complete other direction but for myself other than horses I hadn't really ever felt a passion for anything like I had for Jesus and for teaching and encouraging people and telling them about my story of not living in shame and and telling them how they can overcome things and I think in a lot of ways that's how I was able to just really relate a lot to my husband's story. For those of you who have heard it, he has a very impactful um, um, story of just how he really overcame a lot of things. And not that a story like mine wasn't impactful and really just growing up and a huge passion in my heart is just saying it's so much better to go through life um, unscathed like that. And, and some of us don't have a choice. My husband didn't have a choice. But if you can have the choice and you are a young person listening to this, do not grow weary of doing good. Pursue and run the race with endurance. Do not look to the right or the left of these people and and be intentional with your life and you will get so much further and you will be so much more content growing up. Save yourself from these burdens of these things because God has written a destiny for all of us from the time that we were conceived in our mother's wombs. Before even that, before the earth was created he said that he knew who we were and we don't have to go through trials and tribulations or even if we do neither of those are going to affect our destiny of who God has for us because he'll just keep on rerouting just like a GPS you go the wrong way he'll just keep rerouting it he'll keep rerouting it and he always has that final destiny for you that final purpose for what you are because he's placed specific things in your life that are for hope and a future and and he has promised you to these things. And in my life with, with marrying my husband, um, back on track to the story, I just, I wanted to help people find this and to cultivate this in their life. And it really got sidetracked a lot. We went through a, a Bible college program. We went through an internship at a church and just seeing 
things from the inside really was frustrating because we were constantly running into people that I weren't appearing to be totally sold out for the Lord. And, and being with them, it was so difficult to truly want to pursue this, this calling on our lives. And we found ourselves, you know, back in my hometown, just kind of pursuing this American dream. We felt on our hearts separately, but simultaneously that, you know, Lynn and we weren't going to do this pastoring thing the way that we thought. And so instead of asking God what that meant, it was us pursuing this, I guess, American dream of Len working in a corporate office, us expecting our first baby. And all of a sudden we were in this situation that was so far removed from anything that we had had a goal for or towards that we just were kind of in this state of complacency of not really moving forward and just kind of settling and it was then that my husband really felt um, he wanted to join the navy and um, if you've heard his story he joined the navy before and felt it wasn't god's timing and then through um, later on in our lives he really really strongly felt this pull to join again and i just couldn't even stand the thought of it i just i couldn't even bear i was one of those people that would say oh my goodness, I can't believe you could do that life, but you know, God bless you for that, but I could never do something like that. And I remember a girl in my Bible study, she said, if God called you to that, you would do it. And I just said, don't you, don't you say that to me, you know, don't say that. And then sure enough, several months later, God was just really putting it on his heart. And I could barely even talk to him about it because it would make me so upset. Why would I go and marry someone to just become a, come single again? Or why would I have a baby to just become a single parent? Or why would I do these things? And all of these, these uh, nightmarish things were popping into my head of the potential realities that could happen by being a military family. And I, I had no history of a military family. I didn't know what it was like. I'd never been around military families. The town we lived in wasn't necessarily a military community. And to me, it just, it seemed so foreign and so scary. And I remember one day just being there with my daughter and nursing her. And I just felt this, this calmness in my heart of just the Lord just saying, why would you hinder your family from a blessing? Why, why would you do that? And immediately I just, everything within me just stopped. All of these fears, all of these things. And I just... Why would I hinder my family from blessing? But God, how could this be a blessing? But I knew from times past by not obeying that that calling in my heart that I would be hindering my family from a blessing. And so just through some tears and praying, I called my husband who was working at a bank and I said, you know what? Hey, we need to get over to that recruiting office. And we were in that recruiting office that night. And a few months later, he was swearing in. And a few months after that, he was off at training and all before our daughter even turned one. And in that, we also um, expected the welcoming of our son and through all of these things and a lot of separation through the Navy. But every time I was approached with a fear, I, it was, it was as if it wasn't fear, it wasn't scary at all. It was just through God's grace. And I can't even begin to explain to you as it's been three years since this experience of, of him joining the Navy and going through a deployment and going through just countless separation that... I can't even begin to describe the blessing that I have felt through all of this. Just the closeness I have with my relationship with the Lord, the closeness I even have with my husband. I feel like I have become 
to begin, I've begun to be back in alignment with the spirit of God just by obeying. And so if you're going through something right now that just seems so scary, that seems like the biggest fear that you could ever conquer, do not be afraid. God just really has something that is so big for you and just so incredible for you if you're just willing to trust him. And I think really just through my whole testimony, I have just really learned that there's so much of a blessing to be had and just trusting who God says we are as a person and and partnering with him in that that promise that he has in Jeremiah 29 11 of just saying all the plans that I have for you are to prosper you to give you a future and a hope and not to harm you and for me it's just really trusting that just believing it and owning it because that is who God says you are so in conclusion I just I hope that you are encouraged by this story I hope that um, it, it makes you feel like you can connect with me on a little bit of a deeper level. If if you've ever are a woman and you are struggling with those things, those type of things, like maybe just um, that sexual thing of pornography, or maybe you've come from a life of that or have experienced just that kind of shame, then feel free to reach out. Um, I really encourage you to do that. You, you aren't alone in this, and um, it's something that you really... You have to find a way to surrender it to the Lord. And there are people around who would just love to help you with that, who are not going to shame you, who are going to encourage you and lift you up. So thank you guys for being with me and giving me a little bit of your day. And I just hope that, um, yeah, I can't wait for the future of this podcast. So thanks for tuning into the first episode.